This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Friday, the 23rd of June, 2023. Coming up today, even more discussion on the big Braille topic of the week. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Happy Friday, Sean Priest. It's Friday. It's basically the weekend. Gorgeous. Exactly, that's right. Although I did uh, step out this morning. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful... Oh, it's raining. <laughs> Back ah. to normal in Scotland. I know. Well, we've had our three days of summer, so what more do you want? Exactly, that's right. I have a t-shirt. It says, Scottish Summer. Uh, a wonderful Tuesday every year. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, it says... Actually, it's funny, right? Because you forget when you... You, you kind of remember it when you got it, and then you can't remember what it says. Oh, it's funny you say that, because I was going through my wardrobe the other day, going through T-shirts, and I've got to use, like, seeing AI to try and figure out what they are. But, of mm-hmm. course, it's mainly weird fonts and you know, intermingled with uh, images and stuff. Doesn't really do a great job, but um, that's where AI comes in, though, or a volunteer. But I'm always worried I may have a, let's say, inappropriate T-shirt. Um, oh, so that's that's what I need to check. Yes, what would that look like, Sean Priest? What's an uh, inappropriate T-shirt? I cannot possibly say, but my my partner has a, a habit of buying me um, T-shirts, which are usually embarrassing and sometimes have swear words on them. I <gasps> say it. I know it's a disgrace. You see, what you want is you want a T-shirt, a new with... partner. Yes, <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's 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 entirely <laughs> up to you. And that's uh, here I am. I, I know Sarah and I like Sarah and, you know, I, I'm not going there. Um, but I do think what you want is Braille T-shirts oh, with swear words on Or some sort of them. way to add NFC tags to them. Yeah, if only, if only if someone, only, you, know, like, you know, like I, Negative I, Julian, for example, if he had maybe bothered mm, to send a demo in. I know. Unbelievable, Explaining Julian. how to do this. If you didn't hear that, that was an excellent demo, by the way. It was. From Julian. Was NFC week, tag button. Yeah. Yeah, and and of course you can get well. Yeah, the buttons are good because you then don't lose them in the wash. Yes, because um, that's the problem with these tags, right? You think mm, that's not going to last the wash, and they don't. No, and there's, no. there's laundry specific. As Julian said, there are laundry specific ones, but they don't last very long. They soon come off. But uh, the button, fantastic idea. Surprising how many different forms those NFC tags come. Because if you just do a search on Amazon, let's face it, that's where I go. Um, Usually it is just the stickers, uh, but if you get a little bit creative with you know what you add to that NFC tag, there's so many different ones. It's cool. Yeah, but what about the apps though? Because this is the thing. You know, there are so many different apps in order to achieve this. Are you finding one that works best? Well, Julian mentioned. I think he mentioned one called NFC Collector. I believe for Android. Now I have gone through and installed so many. There are so many. NFC apps in the app store for the iPhone. I haven't gone through them for accessibility or how easy they are to use yet. I've got the collection nicely in a folder, so I do plan to go through because you can do it again. I've said this before, but you can do it with Apple shortcuts in automations. Just double tap where it says um, NFC tag, and then you just give it a name. But those automations in the Apple shortcuts app, it's really weird how they've done it and there are some accessibility issues in there surprisingly enough apple there's um some accessibility issues but mainly it's just a little bit confusing how you use it so i'm sort of yeah i'm I'm sort of steering people away from that there must be an accessible app out there i'm sure there is i just haven't gone through them all yet yeah. i'm planning to that's my weekend activity that'll be fun Oh, well, you know, I'm glad you've got something to do at the I'm weekend. I'm a crazy guy. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, you could be. Yeah, I know you got there painting the town red and searching for NFC tag apps. Yeah, so it sounds like a fun weekend. You know, I have to say, I, I want to start a new segment on this show called Am I Stupid? Uh, and usually that is, uh, the answer will be yes. It's a very short answer. Yes, and it will very only, short be, segment. only be for me, this particular segment. <laughs> because honestly, I was mucking around yesterday with the shortcuts app on the Mac. And what I was trying to do was, and I know in, a, in the new macOS Sonoma that is coming out later in the year, this will be a feature, but you can take 
and the feature that that is coming is the ability to make a, a website into almost like our own little web app. You can tell it, you know, I want you to basically open out, open you up, that you will just open up as a single window, uh, and you'll take all that nonsense of the Safari browser away, and it just almost looks like a little web app in itself. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to create this for a, a website we use, CleanFeed, right? Because we use CleanFeed all the time. But the problem is that CleanFeed requires Chrome. So you can't open it in Safari. So that actually won't... When I was thinking about it, I thought this isn't going to work because even in Safari, which is where this feature will be, it will not work for Chrome. So what I was looking for was a way of being able to do the same thing in Chrome. And I, I started off by thinking, okay, there's got to be an easy way to do this in shortcuts. I, I just can't... I go into that app, I cannot figure out what it is I'm doing. I can't figure out the whole... Maybe it's just I, I don't have that kind of mindset... I understand that it's a series of commands. You want to do this and then equal, you know, plus this equals that. I, I kind of get the concept of that, but I can't seem to find the bits <laughs> to do it. I'm like, so no. what, what am I looking for? You know, I want to open a URL. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to launch a URL in a specific browser. That doesn't seem very complicated to me. But for some reason, in that shortcuts app, I just cannot seem to find the bits to do it. And I can't even find anything under Chrome. Like just searching under Chrome, nothing shows up. So, so no, there's no way of being able just to do you're that. You're absolutely right. It's it's not so much. I, I mentioned there are a couple of accessibility problems in there, as in the suggested actions it gives you. It doesn't read them out. It'll just say button, button, button. Yeah, that's um, just terrible. Right, that's unusual for, for an Apple app. But aside from that, it is the it's, it's the interface. It it's confusing. This started off life as a, the app called Workflow, I believe it was called originally. And it did the same thing, but it was made by a third party. And Apple bought it and made it their own, made it into shortcuts. And But the interface used to be great before. And now it's it's clunky at best. There's a you know half a screen uh, interface or a full screen interface. You can it's just really difficult to navigate. You you can get used to it, but even then it seems a little bit inconsistent. So I I totally agree. And no, Stephen, you're not an idiot on this one because I find well if you are, we're both idiots because I had the same problem, and it's the reason why I decided not to do a, a Sean of the Shared episode on that using NFCs with Apple shortcuts. If I can find an accessible app, I'm going to do it using that app. But it's just too involved. And I think it's it's just, it's not a good experience using the Apple shortcuts app at the moment. No, no, I, I just cannot get my head around it. And I feel this is where AI could be really useful because I imagine a day coming where a shortcuts app will just be a text box and you say, you know, it'll just say, what do you want to do? And I'll be like, I want to launch this website in Chrome. And, and place a desktop link, you know, shortcut. Yes. And that's it. That's all I want. And it'll just go, okay, there you go. And that's it. It just goes off and does it. That's the dream. And I think yeah, that's probably absolutely. where we'll end up, to be honest. But I hope so. It makes total sense to do it that way. And um, yeah, there's lots of ways. I mean, you're looking for open a URL. And is there an option inside that action of open a URL to choose which browser that opens mm. in? I don't know. We'd have to look through. But the well, search- there is a way to do it, which is good. There is a way to do it. And uh, it's basically through Chrome itself. You go into Chrome, you go to the website you want to open, and then you tab your way through the various options on the toolbar inside the browser to there's a little ellipsis that you can uh, uh, you know just open up and in there brings up all your extra menu options yeah uh, and there's a setting option in there to add a shortcut or create a shortcut to that specific uh, oh, website there you go. and Easy. that will appear on your desktop and what's cool about it and this is the bit that I, I actually I'm quite impressed by is it's doing exactly what Safari says it will do in the future which is that it turns the web page into a web app so as you're navigating around as you're command tabbing around on the mac you will hear it come up as its own web app so i just command tab around and i hear clean feed and i know that i'm on there but that is different to the chrome browser because when normally when you have chrome open if you have a number of windows open on a mac and this is one of the other infuriating things about the mac at times there is actually a toggle you can use between the different windows. So there's a window toggle inside an app. You know, so I guess it'd be like the equivalent of control tab on a Windows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you yeah. know you can you know alt tab to an application, but then you can control tab around the windows in that inside that application, which may yeah. be a bit different on a 
on a, a Windows side, but on the Mac side, you have different windows, and you can you can use that, uh, you know, that kind of equivalent, I guess, um, toggle. Yes. However, the shortcut only works on certain apps, not on all of them. So mm, sometimes you can do it, sometimes you can't. So what you end up having to do <laughs> is go up to the menu bar, go to a window, and then choose the window. You know where that's most irritating? Audacity. Mm-hmm. Because if you've yes. got a number of different, I had like six Audacity sessions open yesterday, and going between them, you're just up to the menu bar window, down to the you know whatever it was, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. this takes forever. But that's the only way to do it. So that's doesn't, another infuriation. But the, the, the point I'm making is that with Chrome, um, you have the same issue, right? But when you have this web app thing, it seems to separate that from the Chrome browser. So you can have the Chrome browser open, you can still Command Tab to that uh, and course, back into Clean Feed. It's a separate thing, yes. Very good. Oh, that was interesting. There was a bit of um, a, a bit of a tip, a tech tip from us there. That was did we just do tech? I think we breaking did. Breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, we did. Accidental tech tip there. Sorry about that. We'll try and get back to normal. I think there's a podcast called that, so we better not go there. Um, <laughs> that's not, I, I've got to mention the story. Of course, the, the sad news yesterday we heard about the Titan sub. Um just such a sad story. We're going to be covering it more on Express tomorrow and, and giving you the full details. But it, it was such a sad story because I think there was there was that element of hope that this this sub would mm. survive and the people inside would survive long enough to be found. Um, that, of course, has now turned out not to be the case. And we've we've heard the news now that that in fact this sub imploded, which you know it, it's always it, it's interesting watching stories like this evolve now on social media. Because what I find is that people online are pretty nasty people, right? I mean, there's a lot of nasty people who say horrible things, like right away. You know, if if it's not a conspiracy theory, it's jokes or memes just instantly pop out of this thing. And you think, have some humanity, for God's sake. You know, I mean, come on. Yeah, never mind too soon. I mean, it's even during, as it's happening. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. And it, you think, what is the matter with people? Again, it comes down to no one should be anonymous on the internet. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so much every every year. It, it just reinforces my thoughts that you need. You should be licensed. You must need some sort of web passport. You can't hide behind being anonymous and saying whatever you want. Do you know something? I, I, just, I don't think that's even an issue anymore. I think we're way past that. There are people who are marching around, and I know there's a lot of these videos that pop up, and sometimes you wonder if these are created videos, as in, you know, people have done this deliberately to cause, you know, or to get, you know, to go viral. Um, I, I sometimes, you know, you see the, a lot of these videos where you, there's a couple um, who it comes up in my Facebook feed all the time. I, I don't know if it's because of the name, because they're called the Scott family, and they come up all the time. And they're like two, a young couple, and they do dance videos, and they muck around, and they do all these little things. And clearly it's little sketches they've set up and they're doing. And, you know, that kind of thing, you kind of get used to the fact that that's just them doing their thing. But there are also a lot of videos now that are turning up. Some really nasty videos. I don't know if you've noticed this, but a real turn in some of these videos on these social media videos where it's turning nasty now. There was a video I saw the other day of a, of a guy, he asked someone for money, $5 for, uh, for some food. And the couple obligingly gave him the money. So they and actually bought him a bit more. They said, hey, we're going to buy you this food. He then, after he'd consumed it, he went back over. He was live streaming at the time. And he said he was doing this, you know, to go viral. But, you know, imagine the circumstance. He walks over to the couple and says, listen, thanks so much for the money. I really appreciate it. You know, you did a really great thing. And then he throws a rock onto the table and says, because if you hadn't done that, I'd have bashed your brazen with this rock. Oh, well, that's... And, that's, and, and this was to get the viral aspect of it, right? Yeah, well, but, that's hilarious, right? Obviously, but, that's but just a couple prank video. You're thinking, are you threatening me right now? But yeah, they don't know in that scenario if they're being threatened or this is just part of some joke. It's ridiculous. And, and it's just, the, the, oh, it just infuriates me. And, and it's like people have just lost connection. You know, they've lost connection with the, with the real world. Yeah. And this, this story is a perfect example of that. You know, I go back to that movie that I watched on Netflix. I think you might have seen it as well, the Don't Look Up movie. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's just that we're detached. We're detaching ourselves from reality here. And, you know, I just, I, I, I say it because I just want to remind people that five people died down there. It doesn't matter if they were millionaires or what they were or what their reasons for being there, whether they were paid to be there. 
whether they were intending to be there, whether they paid, it doesn't matter. We're human beings, for God's sake. They died in a horrible way. And can we just stop and recognise that and then stop jumping to the conspiracy theories and why did it happen and why were they down there? You know, what were they doing and leave Titanic alone? Mm -hmm. All this stuff. It's like, can we just have a bit of humanity for a minute? Just a bit of empathy, a bit of, you know, human, uh, yeah. Costs anyway. nothing. Wow. But yeah, it doesn't go viral. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. I haven't got <sighs> anyway. enough likes. No, but no, I do feel for the families. I really do. Because uh, honestly, they must have had so much hope, uh, you know, with the vessel. And, and the thing about the technology, and this is, I guess, the question that is going to come over the next few weeks, as no doubt the investigations begin into this, is the technology into these subs. And the fact that a lot of these subs, just listening to some of the experts talk around this on the news over the past couple of days, they've been saying... You know, every single one of these subs really is a prototype. It's not a case of these are, you know, like airplanes. You know, they're not built to a standard yet because everything is still being tested. And at those depths in the ocean, I mean, I was, I was reading about the Mariana Trench, which I think is the deepest point of the ocean, which is like 10 or 11 kilometres deep. I mean, 10 or 11 kilometres. Mm-hmm. Like the Mount Everest couldn't fit in there. It, well, it would fit in there and there was still room to spare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's incredible, and you know how the uh, you know how that I must have felt in there. It's just horrible. But you know, there's such a fascination with the Titanic, isn't there? There is such a fascination with it, and such important research that comes out of the work they do. I mean, it's not this is not just for fun, right? They're not just going down there for a laugh. They are going there for a, 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 there's a lot of science and a lot of data that gets pulled, and you know, even today with Titanic, the the, the what they're able to pull from that helps them build ships better today. It's like, you know, every time there's a plane crash, they learn so much as a result, and they actually implement it. Yeah. They implement those changes, which makes air travel safer, and perhaps one of the most safest ways to travel today. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I just, sometimes it seems there's almost a glee in, yeah. in other people's tragedy, and it's just, you know, sometimes you just shake your head and walk away, right? That's what you got to do. Yeah, well... I'm thinking about the families. That's all I'm exactly. thinking about. Um, absolute tragedy. But uh, yeah, it was sad. It was really sad, actually. I got a little bit sad about that yesterday because I thought, oh, I was just hoping, you know, I know, just hoping, yeah. thinking, oh, God, they're going to find them, you know. That there's some noise down there and you think, oh, well, it's a yeah. they're just, you know. And it, it, yeah. Well, anyway. Um, anyway. Yeah. So I want to move back to our topic because, look, we get so many emails about this subject. I'm not hugely surprised. I kind of thought this would be a big topic for us, talking about the subject of Braille and, you know, the Perkins keyboard. I will say that clearly more people are coming to this over the past couple of days. They're maybe hearing it on the podcast and they've been listening to it. And I feel this conversation is going to go on for a bit because uh, we're getting a lot more comment. But let I want to bring in some more of those comments. Now, Elijah is our first, and uh, this is a, a bit of a longer email, but I think it's worth reading because it actually brings up some really interesting points. So again, if you've been following what I've been saying on this, basically my pitch here is the Perkins input keyboard. Why are we still using it in 2023 when everyone else is using QWERTY keyboards? Why do we focus on this as an input method? And we'll be getting your reaction on this this week. Here's Elijah's email, read by Laura. Hello. I agree with you that there are use cases for Braille displays with QWERTY keyboards and for displays with no keyboards. But I think there are several good reasons for devices with Perkins keyboards. Number one, Perkins keyboards are much smaller than QWERTY keyboards, which allows for very portable Braille devices like the APH Chameleon and Orbit Writer, both of which can be hung from the neck with a strap and easily used while travelling and in many other situations. These devices allow me to type on my phone to search for my destination in GPS apps, respond to messages, etc. far faster and more accurately than I could with the on-screen keyboard or dictation. I can even connect the Orbit Writer to my Apple Watch, which makes typing on it so much easier. A QWERTY keyboard would be far too cumbersome to use like this. Number two, when using a braille display with a laptop or desktop, it can be easier to type on the Perkins keyboard while often reading the display than to keep moving your hands from the QWERTY keyboard to the display and back. Especially with laptops with trackpads, it is definitely faster for me to type on the Perkins keyboard, especially when I'm only using braille with no speech, since I frequently check what I've just typed and when editing, I often need to switch a lot between typing and reading. Even if the QWERTY keyboard and display were closer, the size of a QWERTY keyboard would make this slower in itself. 
Number three, for typing maths as a blind person, there is no comparison to typing a braille math code like Nemeth or UEB math. For anything beyond elementary school, it seems like the only choices for typing math on a computer are to not use real mathematical symbols or notation, but use ASCII equivalences, which is very hard to do for more advanced math like calculus and looks weird for sighted people. To use symbol selectors to insert Unicode symbols or math notations in word processors like Microsoft Word, which is very cumbersome and often not very accessible. To use the notations for typing math in software like the Word Equation Editor, MathType, etc., which often make it hard to check to make sure the result is what you meant and can be confusing what notation is supposed to mean what. To use markup languages like LaTeX and then to generate the PDF or other format for a sighted person, which requires learning all the commands and notation you need for representing the kind of math you're doing. Always requires typing far more characters than Nemeth would and, while the precise syntax makes it easier to validate, you will not know if you make any mistakes until you generate the document or to type in Nemeth or UEB Math. While there are unfortunately not very many ways to do this, there are definitely a few, such as BrailleNote and BrailleSense note takers, both the old ones and the new Android ones. JAWS Braille Math Input, Duxbury, although I have not gotten it to work well, the Accessible Equation Editor web app, and maybe Liblui. Currently, I use LaTeX for typing math, but if there is a solution for typing in Nemeth that worked better for what I need, I would definitely use that. Even the newer markup languages with less for both math notations like Typest are still not as good as Nemeth in my opinion. Number four, I would say that contractions definitely allow me to type faster and QWERTY keyboards will probably never have something equivalent. Number five, either Perkins or QWERTY keyboards probably make very little difference to the cost of Braille displays, since the Orbit Writer, which is a Perkins keyboard with no display, is only $99 and Bluetooth QWERTY keyboards are very cheap as well. Maybe the best thing to do is to make Braille devices with a more modular design, where people could choose to use them with no keyboard, a Perkins keyboard or a QWERTY keyboard, and swap between them whenever they choose. I think the fact that the Orbit Writer exists shows there is a demand for Perkins keyboards. I understand your point about Perkins keyboard commands and interfaces being another thing to learn, but I think there are advantages for people who choose to make the effort and prefer Perkins keyboards for some things. From Elijah. Thank you, Elijah. And you know that's such a detailed response to this, and I think it brings up so many points. I'm not going to go over every one of them, but I think the math point in particular really sticks out as a, as a reason why this is a really important keyboard, because of the kind of learning that's required and the input that's required, you know, to use Braille and, you know, for math. Yeah, what's the alternative? Yeah. As, as they rightfully said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just some really great points there. Basically just torpedoed your um, entire argument. Yeah, good. That's the whole point. Well done. That's the idea. That's what I want. <laughs> no, I want, some really I want good people to tell there. me what they, what they feel in this. I think, um, I always think it's an interesting point when someone says, well, you know, Perkins keyboards are clearly popular because they're selling, you know, the Orbit Writer comes out, the Hable One. I think that's I think that's more legacy, though. I think that's a legacy thing. You know, it's because people are using it, right? That's the whole point. So, no, I, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's like if you got rid of it, we'd figure out something else. I think that's my point on this. Um, although I'm not suggesting we do. And, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think a more modular approach, Elijah, is the, is the right way. I think that's really what I where I think we're going to land on this one. Um, let's go to Laurel, who got in touch on uh, voicemail. Hey, Sean and Stephen. I just Bye. love your show. This is Laurel <laughs> from Charleston, South Carolina, and really enjoy all the discussions that you have on air and the fun that you share with all of us. And uh, it's just always a real joy to hear you guys. I wanted to chime in about Braille. I I'm an avid Braille user, and I'm satisfied that if some of my Braille instructors saw some of the ways that I use Braille now, they would be absolutely mortified (laughs) because (laughs) I use Braille input on my phone, but I write each letter out. So I write in grade one just simply because for me, it's easier. It's really a problem for me to use grade two. It seems like voiceover is always trying to catch up with you when you run in grade two and 
Um, I know a lot of people use it without any problems, but I just feel more comfortable using Braille, Braille grade one. But I just love um, Braille input, and I can't imagine the iPhone experience without it. In fact, before Braille input, I had one of those little tiny uh, keyboard cases that I uh, put my iPhone in and would actually use that. And my hands are small enough that I could actually get my fingers all on home row. And people used to make fun of me because I didn't use my thumbs like a regular uh, typist on the on the keyboard of that size. So anyway, I uh, really appreciate the discussion that you're having. Um, I think that Braille is always going to be important, both the reading and writing of it. But I really feel like the way that we use it is going to evolve. Um, and the way that it is taught also needs to evolve. And I also feel like other blind adults who are actually in a work environment, uh, successfully professional blind people who use Braille need to do a bit more mentoring or be allowed to do a bit more mentoring, both for blind students and their parents, so that they can see how Braille is used and why it's important. So thank you all very much. I really appreciate your show. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Laurel. I really appreciate your email there. And you've just hit the nail on the head for me, which is that this is part of the problem. We're not hearing how Braille is used every day. And this this has been really illuminating for me, actually, learning how people use it. Like, just as Laurel said there, the, the challenge of using grade two with voiceover, it can be laggy, meaning it would be easier to write in grade one. I didn't even know that. Well, but as she also said, there's other people that use it absolutely fine. So it's it's how it works for you, how your experience with it, right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't know. I, I think getting people who use it every day is, is the key to Braille. You know, people who live and breathe it either for work or just for daily living is absolutely the key to, to getting to having this conversation. I think also that idea of, you know, people who are doing this, actually you know getting involved in the community discussion about this you know actually you know becoming part of it talking about how they use it that's as important as anything else i mean we talk about representation all the time that's the yes. same thing with this right it's, yep. it's, it's a deeper level i guess but it's it's important still uh, listen, more on this. yes absolutely more on this to come double tap on ami audio The double tappers now. 1-877-803-4567. Or email us. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Yeah, I, I don't know what... I need to move that button. That is just ridiculous. I know what you're doing. You're trying to undermine me, aren't you? Mr. F is mine. How dare you, sir? Uh, excuse me? He's don't mine. Try, don't try and push me out of the way. Please, yeah. sir. I'm here too. Yeah, I know your game. God bless you, Mr. F. What chance have I got with Braille if I can't even press two buttons? <laughs> right, let's uh, get to another of your emails. Shazad has been in touch. Hey. Hi, Sean, Stephen and Laura. I hope you're all fine as I want to give my opinion on Braille regarding using QWERTY keyboard with Braille display instead of using Perkins Braille keys instead. Mm. I want to tell Stephen by incorporating one keyboard layout with Braille display feels as though you are taking away the soul of Braille. And if our founding father knew about this, then Louis Braille will be turning in his grave if he knew you brought this subject up for discussion, Stephen. Yes, Stephen. If you want to keep Braille alive, then use your influence, both Stephen and Sean, to put pressure on government to add Braille labels on supermarket products, as they have done so with medical products that are useful for a beginner, as both contracted one and two Braille should now be introduced into mainstream education and in adult education for free, as this will improve Braille, who some individuals are losing their sight or are born blind at birth, as well as a universal English and American Braille should be made into bite size for everyone to learn, including you, Stephen. And please don't show that video of Sean working out as he should be left alone. Whereas I feel that you are using every excuse under the sun when it comes to learning Reaper, as you are setting your creature comforts with audacity rather than learning a new piece of software. So Mm -hmm. get over yourself, Stephen, and embrace it as Sean has, as I feel he is more willing to learn a new piece of tech than I can say about you, Stephen Scott. Sure, sure, yeah. Keep up the good work, and could you interview Mr F one day, as you both mention him regularly on your show, (laughs) but would like to know and hear more about him? No. From Shazad, Birmingham. Mr. F. 
Uh, okay, as me told. I can't yourself there, Stephen. What, what have you got to say about that? Um, you don't know. Where did I go on that one? Honestly, um, okay. I, look, I, I think the uh, the grave turning that is going on at the moment with uh, Louis Braille. You know what? I think anybody who invents something would imagine it in its life it will evolve. So, you know, I think you know a guy who's not been around for 200 years probably doesn't care too much about where we are today, honestly. Um, if oh, you were around Stephen. today, different story. But, you know, I, I think we have to look to the future and we've got to think about where we're heading with Braille. Uh, you know, just take a second just to think about where we're at. You know, we were told at school, and I say this again, and it's important we understand this, mm-hmm. we were told at school to use audio or Zoom, or magnification, or whatever it was, as an alternative to Braille, because they didn't think Braille was needed. I'm saying we need Braille in our lives. I'm standing up for Braille. I'm probably standing up for it more than most. I'm saying we need more of it. We need more education of it. The kids need to learn it at school. I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm saying quite the opposite. I'm saying we need to embrace it even more so, and especially in our low vision kids. I think it's evolve or die, isn't it? Isn't that yeah, the phrase? Of I mean, look at the the take up of Braille. Um, yeah, I, it's a look. It's a conversation that that uh, that we need to have. I think is 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 what what is happening with Braille, and why are we being told still today that oh yeah, you don't need it anymore because it simply isn't the case. That's an interesting point now about using it more in products, though, isn't it? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. That does sound like a good idea. I am seeing it on more and more, um, you know, on toiletries and on medication, as Shazad says there. So, um, but why? Why isn't it on everything? I, yeah, I saw you know, a, it's a it's a it's a bit of a wrong way around arguments. Cart before the horse, though. And I, I totally get your point, Shazad. Totally agree with you on. It. We need more uh, braille in those products. But the, truth be told, the the debate we really need to have is around education and getting more children learning braille and more of us actually taking up braille. Because if you don't do that, it doesn't matter how much Braille you slap on products. No one can read it. Yeah, but uh, chicken and the egg, wouldn't that spark interest in, in okay, this is why Braille is so useful? No, that, do you know, that's, that's a bit like saying, oh, you know, don't I've you decided to go hill walking. Tone with me, young man. I've decided to go hill Young? <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's like saying, I, I think I might try walking up a small hill today. And someone's saying, yeah, there's, there's Mount Everest there. You know, give that a go. Oh, it's like, come hang on, on a minute. No, what? No, no, that's no, too no. high. I'm never going to get up there. All right. Okay. That's the problem, right? You got to, you got to start it. Look, I, I, it's not. I can. It's not a. I'd just call it a false equivalency, actually, in terms of an argument, because they're very different arguments. They, they are both correct arguments. Yes, we absolutely should have more braille on packaging where we can. And in the UK, for example, we've seen a lot of move away towards Navilens codes, and you know, using smartphone codes which give you the ability to get more information about the product because the reality is as well you know if it's a small packet of say paracetamol there's only so much information you can put on that packet you need you know, five how layers much, how much text is on the back of that box paras that's all you need to know yeah but I mean, look how much text is in the back of that box you can't put all that in braille so you know there's a there's a question mark around well okay yes putting information on a product to tell you what it is is fine but you might need more information than that that you maybe can't get. Now, is that okay? Mm. I don't know. That's another yeah, question. Yeah, but there may be 50% of the population that can't read that smaller print anyway. But there's even more of a population who can't read that Braille. That's the point. The amount of blind people have said to me over the years, yeah, you can slap Braille on anything you like, but I can't read it. I don't do Braille. I like Braille. trying, though. If I do know it's, it, it, it's paracetamol, I will try to. <laughs> that must be a P then, that first one. I will. <laughs> yeah. It's I'd- teaching me. I mean, look, I, I get where you're coming from, Shazada. I appreciate that, and I, I do understand where you're, where you're coming from with this. But I think, you know, we can't look at this as, you know, well, Louis Braille said so, therefore, because if he did that, he'd never move on from anything. You know, you'd always be saying, well, you know, Steve Jobs didn't like the Vision Pro, so scrap that. He hated the idea of the, you know, uh, Apple Watch or the iPad, so get rid of that. You know, Apple you pen. can't live like that. You've got to move on. You've got to move on. You've mm. got to evolve. And, you know, I, I'm... Great, wonderful with Louis Braille, but you know, that was 200 years ago, right? We're a bit further forward than that. Unfortunately, the Perkins Braillers are not. Uh, they're still back in 200 years ago time. Um, right, let's go to Pete, who's got a comment on this. Hi, just diving in on this. 
I learned Braille around three years ago, so not quick at reading or writing. I do, however, like to use the Perkins-style input because, as Sean mentioned, it gets me using Braille screen input. I also use an Orpit writer because it's small enough to slip into a jacket pocket and use with my iPhone when I want to send a longer message, provided Apple don't stuff up Braille. When I bought a 40-cell display, I considered the Mantis but ultimately decided on a Braillant BI40X as it's slightly smaller. Got to agree that the Perkins Brailler is due a refresh. Occasionally, I want something on paper and generally wind up defaulting to a Braille slate because it's around. Something which could emboss Braille at a much lower cost than current embossers would be a welcome addition to specialist tech for me. Come on, Orbit, where are you? Thanks for a great show, Pete. Yeah, and uh, Harry has a similar thought. Many organisations and tech enthusiasts still assume that all competent people use a QWERTY keyboard and also a PC or Mac. I lost most of my sight in later life, and I get lost on a normal keyboard, and I hate trying to find function, command, punctuation, or number keys. So a Perkins-style keyboard for my non-flashy needs is so much simpler. Just horses for courses. Harry. And that's a good point. You know, not everyone's using QWERTY. Not everyone can touch type either, and I get that. I totally hear you on that one. But again, we've got to look at general... I mean, everything's generalised, right? Because you, you cannot come up with a single solution for every individual. That's just not possible. But what I'm suggesting is actually the opposite to that. I'm saying don't create a single solution. Create multiple options. This is the point I'm coming back to on this, which is you know the idea of you know your, your Braille input with Perkins keys, your QWERTY keyboard, and a separate Braille display. So a more modular approach to this. I think Orbit might be the answer. I think they may have the answer to this. I think we just we need to have we need to have this discussion to figure this out. You know, this is why when Shazad says, you know, Louis Braille be turning in his grave if you bring it up. Well, that doesn't get us anywhere. We can't ever move on if we just think, well, you know, we're going to offend two hundred year old guy. Picking on Shazad, I noticed. No, Louis Braille, I'm picking on. I think. Joking. He doesn't care. <laughs> That's a really good point. I haven't thought about this at all. We're so focused on the um, affordable Braille displays. Embosses. I mean, embosses are incredibly expensive, oh, yeah. right? Up to 10 grand, 15 grand in some and cases. It's huge. It's like, it's like a massive a printer. printing press. Um, yeah, I mean, is that something we should look into? Actually, production of Braille as well. I mean, yeah. it's out of reach. So... Yeah, a, a affordable brow embosser. That's a really good idea. Yeah, you'd think that. Oh, I mean, how much? How much would it cost to make something that prints out tactile? Not not so much braille, okay, but think tactile. Something, anything that can create yeah, tactile. Even 3D squirting printer. out dots of a tactile goo. Yeah, using the exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, so almost rather like, than using some sort of pins to punch out the braille. I mean, there must be an affordable way to do that, surely. Mm. Okay, uh, Chris has got in touch. Hi guys, it's Chris, one of your biggest fans. Just weighing Ah. in on the Perkins versus QWERTY style Braille input keyboards. Just have a few points, not sure if they're new, but we'll give it a go and I'll try to be brief. The size of the unit would be increased with a QWERTY style keyboard, but if you're used to typing on QWERTY, that's great. Um, Also, if you have a lot of function keys to press and combinations, it would make it easier rather than the convoluted uh, keyboard combinations that we have to sometimes do with the Perkins-style keyboard. And also, I think just however you input material, you are spelling, you are literate, uh, and I find that some of the young people that I teach today, they have forgotten how to spell sometimes because they've been so busy dictating to their devices for the last, uh, say, 12, 13 years since we've had dictation. So I think however you input your text, you're reinforcing literacy. Also, on the side of the Perkins entry, people who are blind from birth or learn Braille at a very early age often worked with the Perkins, and so that's what's familiar to them. Some people, this, no matter if they've learned Braille from an early age or not, using a Perkins is going to reinforce the dot positions of the letters and contractions. And I think it really does reinforce learning. Uh, Also, if you get one of the e-readers from the library here in the U.S. or you get a Braille display to download books, you're going to have to type in search text and all those have Perkins keyboard entries. So you're going to need to know how to type. 
Um, there are some people for whom conceptualizing the dot positions doesn't work for them. They think more about the shapes of the letters. And so maybe Perkins style entry is a little bit more challenging for them, but it's hard to know. But I think either way, bring on the choices, keep the choices on the table. I don't think that any one company should decide for us all that they're going to ditch one or the other kinds of keyboard entry because there's a place at the table for all of these devices. It's great to have personal preference. It drives competition. And I am really looking forward to the Optima so that I can have all those choices. Thanks again for a great show. And thanks for letting me say my piece about keyboard entry. Oh, hey, listen, Chris, you're always welcome on to talk about keyboards. You know me and keyboards. I kind of <laughs> like them. I'm really loving we're getting some some voices on here that I, I haven't heard before. It's, mm. it's so great. I, I love your feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Jordi, uh, hang on, Jordi Frank has uh, got in touch, who is also Frank, just so we're clear on this, because I think we had some confusion about oh. Frank and Jordi Frank a while back. Uh, but, oh, right. But this is clarifying this position. I know you've forgotten already because you forget everything. No. I'll keep you right. Okay, thank you. Firstly, let me clear something up. Frank and Jordi Frank are one and the same, a good-looking senior citizen from the wonderful town of Gateshead, the birthplace of the Angel of the North, the monument to I don't know what. I've been listening for the last two weeks to Double Tap and now my brain has gone into meltdown. Or it would if I had one. All the talk about glasses and headsets to assist in mobility. The mind boggles. I have a very vivid imagination and can understand how it would look with a person wearing glasses. But to the general public, who after all need some education and visual awareness, to see someone going around waving their hands about or talking to what they would see as nothing leaves a lot to the imagination. But my idea of someone wearing a headset with a lot of cameras on it leaves me thinking of something out of Doctor Who. Until this becomes the norm, I can only let my imagination run riot. I am a sci-fi fan. (laughs) Now to the subject of Braille. I have used Braille all my life, as I was taught nothing else, being in the system of a blind school since I was five in the early 50s. It took me some time to change from my first Braille writing equipment, a metal frame and a pointed metal dotter, where the letters were written out the opposite way to what they looked like when reading. The paper had to be turned over to read the lines. Then came a machine called a Stainsby. One still had to take the paper out to read, but instead of a dotter, keys were pressed. One still had to think of two different shapes of letters, writing and reading. Then a new type of Stainsby came out where the letter keys did resemble the reading dot. Should I now say that the keys were placed with three keys on the left, with dot one at the top, and dot three on the right, with dot four, five and six going from top to bottom? Then came along the Perkins, with the keys in a different layout that has not changed in a very long time. I still have to sometimes think of the shape of a letter and then make my brain turn it into a Perkins key shape. As far as UEB, I can't get used to it and find reading it difficult. I understand how someone who is just learning feels, learning the alphabet and then learning a myriad of contractions. I worked as a volunteer in an organisation for blind people and found that a lot of our members who had recently lost or were losing their sight could not be bothered and would sooner have audio. I use Braille in a number of ways for my eyedrop prescription order, reading the boxes when they come, writing down lists of shortcut keys for my computer, and at one time the words of songs that I would be singing as a member of a band. Playing the piano and quickly prompting myself was not easy. I will say one thing about Braille that sighted people do not understand, that Braille is there to be felt, and that if it is covered with a printed label, as from a chemist, it might as well not be there. I wish they would learn. In my opinion, Braille should be taught to all visually impaired students from a very early age, and when different forms of communications are taught in schools, part of that lesson should focus on Braille. Enough of my rant and the history lesson. Oh, Sean, I have heard a rumour that the TV is looking for people to enter Dancing on Ice. Regards, Geordie Frank. Yes, sorry, Laura, now you truly do deserve a cup of coffee. Yeah, she's working hard this week, I'll tell you. She's doing well. God bless her. Oh, God so bless good. Mrs. K. Can we just say, uh, explain that, that Geordie isn't like a first name. Geordie yes, refers yes. to the, the location from the northeast of England. Why, man, a Geordie from Newcastle or Gateshead. And dancing on ice. I don't know what the equivalent is in Canada. <laughs> um probably just dancing because it's yeah. Canada, right? Everything's... Hockey without the sticks and pucks and um, fighting. Yes. Dancing just... with hockey. <laughs> Is that it? 
basically. Yeah, okay. yeah, my leg's fine. Thanks, Frank, for the concern. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Um, but then you got another perspective on this. So there was already a different version of this prior to the Perkins. I didn't know oh, about yeah. that. Le- and let's talk about learning to read or write whilst doing it backwards in a mirror or whatever. I mean, I know using punching it out that way. I mean, another level on top of another level. Right? It's 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 incredible. I mean, it's no wonder that people who learn Braille at a young age go on to have great careers because their brains have been stretched and expanded to such a degree. You, know, yes. you, you could probably figure out the universe <laughs> just by you know giving it some thought. You know, because the amount of effort that you have to put into that is incredible. But again, the problem was highlighted there when Frank was volunteering and the, you know, the people that recently lost their sight, why bother learning Braille? The, the attitude is, well, it's talking to us. We'll, we'll just listen now, right? Well, that and also it's just it's too complicated to learn. And it feels, I think, that way for a lot of people. I've, I've, I mentioned earlier um, a few weeks back about having a Braille display and then and, and it was so funny when Michael Babcock was on with us and he was saying he'd plugged in his real display to his computer. And he says, all these weird characters keep coming up and stupid things. And, you know, I was so pleased he said that because yes. I felt this was some kind of secret society I wasn't part of. Where it's, it's funny. like, what, what are all these messages coming up on this display? Where's the info? Where, where is what it's actually saying coming up on this display? And when it does, it's kind of covered or surrounded by all these characters that don't make any sense. And then, you know, someone says to me, oh, well, you have to learn grade three. And I'm like, grade three? Well, what? there's another one. And <laughs> it's I'm like, like oh, learning the, the piano. That's it's the madness. computing one. Yeah, it's like, when does it end? I just want to type and get feedback in, you know, written feedback. I just want text. That's all I want. Mm. And, you know, it's just you've got to learn all this extra stuff. And I, I feel, you know, it was interesting when we heard earlier, you know, from Laurel saying, you know, I, I just use grade one. And that actually kind of makes me feel better because I kind of feel like I'll probably just stick to grade one, to be perfectly honest. I really need grade two. There's a question for you guys. I mean, you'll tell me I probably do, but... I, well, it's I, all about I really speed, need isn't it? it? Speed. It's about speed when you're inputting and about the size of the actual text, if we're talking physical material, mm. when it comes to reading it. I mean, you know, you know how big Braille books in grade one are. But of course, who cares when it's on a display, right? I've got a 47 it, Braille yeah. display sitting here, so... What does it matter? Unless I'm writing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, it's going to be fine. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, true. What's the contraction for that? It's uh, (laughs) 4186. Yeah. Nine. I think we have have moved on in this debate, though, right? Because when you first brought this up, I I was thinking, well, we don't need Perkins keys at all. When, quite frankly, now, thanks to the conversation, it's obvious we do. We absolutely still we need, need that yeah. available yeah. for many reasons. Um, so, yeah, I think we have evolved on it. I think it does come down to the options available to us. Yeah. Okay, let's get uh, to another voicemail. And this is uh, kind of looking back in the inbox a little bit. Uh, we've got an email from – a voicemail, actually, from Peter. Hi, Stephen and Sean and all double tappers. It's Peter from a lot happier Robin Hood County. That monster has been arrested and charged. Yay! Anyway, in answer to your query, I use a local taxi company. I know most of the drivers and most of the staff. And I've been told that when I make a booking and it goes through, it says on my file, may need assistance due to severe sight loss. And a lot of the clientele for this company are usually quite elderly. Um, Not all frail, but... They have some limitation or another. And they provide a good, fast and efficient service for the most part. If I ask for help to guide me to the door, they'll happily do it. Sometimes there's uh, one of my old mates, Mr Awkward, who uh, will open the window and shout his direction so he doesn't have to get out of the car. But as long as I get to where I'm going, I'm happy. So... um, I'm quite happy with the taxi company. Like the demo negative Julian, it's uh, always interesting to hear about NFC tags. I was taught very early on in life, if I want to buy clothes, try and make them all a similar colour so you don't get mixed up. And socks, well, I just buy 12 pairs of black socks. Mm -hmm. I hardly wear them anyway, but at least if I lose one, I've always got another one exactly the same colour from exactly the same place. Can't go wrong, really, can you? A bit boring, isn't it? But I am a 72-year-old uh, 
what's it, aren't I? <laughs> and as for your discussions on the Vision Pro, not going anywhere near it. <laughs> I can afford it, but I don't want it. It's something that I can't find a use case for. So, um, anyway, thank you for all the shows and for cheering me up this last week. Very, very useful. And I found something of interest to you. It's called a Solex router. And I heard about this device on a podcast called Clockwise, which is about half an hour long. It's not specifically for disabled people, but you hear some interesting little snippets on there. And Micah Sargent cheers me up every time I hear him. So there's a recommendation for a non-blind specific podcast. Other than that, it's double tap first. Take hey. care, guys. Oh, thank you, Peter. That's uh, brilliant to hear from you. Yes. And uh, glad you're feeling a bit better. I want to hear more about that router, though. Can you just give us a name? What? Oh, what? He's what just teasing us. We've got to go and listen yeah, to that now. I've got to listen to something else. Oh, come on. <laughs> Homework? Uh, forget it. Uh, look, the, the, the Vision Pro, and, and Frank mentioned that earlier on as well. I just want to say, when they build it, you will wear it. As soon as they build an app that's, you know, amazing, helps your mobility or, you know, whatever it may be, the seeing AI equivalent or the IRA or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. As soon as you get that app on there, you will wear whatever, because I know I would. Well, coming up on The Express tomorrow, a conversation with Patrick O'Rourke. We're going to be hearing uh, from him. He is uh, the editor-in-chief at the Mobile Syrup online website. He got hands-on with the Apple Vision Pro. He'll be talking to Double Tap TV's Mark Aflalo on The Express tomorrow. And Grace Scofield, of course, is here with all the Double Tap news. We'll be running up all the big stories of the week, including our conversation on Braille. Join us for that tomorrow. Uh, That's it for us today, though. Sean, thank you, as always. Thank you. And keep your feedback coming as well. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Also, 1877-803-4567 is our number. Leave us a voicemail there. Catch us on The Express tomorrow and back on Monday as well on AMI-audio and podcast. Have a great weekend. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.